Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show. We are the show that's freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we are really glad to have uh, Derek Gilbert with us. And uh, we're uh, this is take two, by the way. Uh, we, we had mentioned previously when we got disconnected that, um, uh, we're very concerned about Mike Curry with facing open heart surgery. Um, I sent uh, his wife Jeannie a text. Have not heard yet, back yet. That's certainly understandable given what's going on. And, uh, Mike is a warrior for winning souls for Christ. He and Jeannie have a great ministry. And Derek, why don't you tell everyone about the conference coming up in Dallas that we're going to be at that Mike and Jeannie are sponsoring? Yeah, this is the uh, Science in the Heavenlies conference for uh, Hear the Watchmen. It's April 5, 6, 7, and 8. Now, the conference itself will be the 5th through the 7th, but uh, the Science in the Heavenlies, or Prophetic Science in the Heavenlies, actually, uh, relates to the uh, total eclipse of the sun that is uh, going to cross the United States on Monday, April 8th. So if you come to Dallas, which will be one of the great places to see this uh, total eclipse of the sun if you stay an extra day stay on monday you can watch the uh the eclipse from the comfort of the hotel the hilton dfw lakes conference center which is a wonderful hotel very close to the uh, yes uh dallas fort worth airport they've got a free shuttle so if you're coming in from outside dallas very convenient to get to it we love coming there from springfield missouri because uh that's one of the hubs that the springfield branson national airport serves and so uh, we we get a direct flight and then uh, so for us it's very convenient but if you're in um, North Texas, if you're in Oklahoma, if you're in uh, Western Arkansas, and you can make the drive, please do, because um, as uh, David said in the first segment, that uh, the weather, I think, is interrupting as our, we're, we're getting uh, like 40, 45 mile an hour wind gusts here in the Ozarks. Um, the, the lineup at these conferences is really uh, top-notch, and, and we are honored to be a part of it. So um, you can find out more information and register at hearthewatchmen.com. That's plural, hearthewatchmen.com. The list of speakers is there. Dave, of course, will be speaking. It's always an education. When when Dave talks, I'll be talking about uh, the... Um, I'll be talking about the war between Israel and Hamas and how it relates to the ancient supernatural war for control of that the holy land i mean if you think this is a war that began in 1973 or 1967 we're, we're going to roll it back probably uh, six thousand years and yeah. uh, show you uh, some of the uh, megalithic sites that relate to the long spiritual war there uh sharon I, i'm not quite sure what she's got planned she's got a couple of different things up her sleeve and she's trying to decide which talk to bring out but uh um anyway it will be a uh a weekend of encouragement, edification, uh, spiritual warfare training, and then, of course, followed by an opportunity to see the total eclipse of the sun. We, we had this opportunity back in 2019, was it 2017? 2018, I guess, the uh, one that crossed uh, Idaho. Uh, we were up in Boise for the Hear the Watchman conference there and uh, saw that. I mean, that was just amazing. And, of course, to be able to do it with a group of like-minded believers is uh, truly a blessing. So hearthewatchmen.com, April 5th through 8th at the Hilton DFW Lakes Conference Center in uh, Dallas, Grapevine, Texas. Yeah, it, it absolutely is fantastic. This will be my second time speaking at that facility. My third time with Hear the Watchmen as a presenter. Uh, absolutely love what Mike and Jeannie do. When we got disconnected, you were talking about Mike's journey and how, you know, he was living on the streets and he was drug addicted and he was really headed for a bad ending. And God spoke to him. And uh, I, I love to talk about Mike 
because I, I love him like a brother. He is a Christian brother, but my goodness, it, he just typifies how God can pull someone out of the depths of despair and turn him into yeah. a warrior. And, and, uh, that's Mike and Jeannie together. They're a dynamic duo. And I would encourage everyone to come to that conference. Also on my website at thecommonsenseshow.com, you can also uh, pull up the link there in the right-hand column and register for the conference right on that link as well. So, um, and, and I'm looking forward to meeting you guys. Uh, a lot of people will come to these conferences and uh, I couldn't talk to Dave Hodges or Derek Gilbert. Yes, you can. We want to meet you. We want to shake your right. hand. We want to put a face with the people who write us emails and words of encouragement. Um, we're about, <laughs> we're, we're not about celebrities. That's the one thing I'll say about here, the Watchmen. There isn't a celebrity atmosphere there. We are just regular people sharing the word of Christ and how it relates to the world and trying to help people broaden their understanding and come closer to the Lord. That is really what we're all about, and we truly want to meet you. Derek, I don't mean to speak for you, but I know you feel that way. I've seen you at these conferences, and I, you and Sharon always are always giving to the people who want your time. Well, it's it's for. For the amount of time and effort it takes for people to get to these conferences, and some for some people it's really sacrificial, it would be I, – I just can't imagine the mindset that would say, well, you know, I'm too important to go to my stand there and talk to everybody who wants to talk to us. Um, we, we find that a lot of ministry takes place at the book table. Yes. And um, – so, you know, th- that's really the thing that we we find most energizing about these conferences. I, I find that I love getting up and teaching at these conferences. Uh, maybe I inherited a bit of my mother's, uh, uh, you know, inner school teacher. She she actually taught in a one-room schoolhouse in rural North Dakota for a while as a young lady. Um, and, and so maybe she's passed that on to me. Sharon is more professorial. Well, she will have a, uh, you know, her presentation and she will, you know, deliver the presentation that she's written out. I, I tend to uh, just go with bull. And, and let you know things go where they where they will but um for us the most fun is is meeting people at the tables and that that really is a, a joy so yeah we encourage people to gather together because you know the way things are going in this country we don't know how long we're going to have this uh this privilege i mean it is a guaranteed constitutional right but as you well know dave the constitution doesn't mean a whole lot anymore these days no it doesn't and and i agree with you christians are a persecuted minority i i think we're falling into the category of endangered species, and I'm not being melodramatic. I really feel threatened as a Christian. The only thing is I, I don't have fear because I trust in the Lord, and he'll use us as long as he has a purpose for us, and he'll bring us home when it's time. Uh, and that's how I've dealt with yeah. some of the losses that we've had this year, you know, like with Tom Horn and my really good friend Bob Griswold, who I miss dearly. Yep. Uh, God calls us home when he's done with us, but he'll protect us while we're here. And the book of Matthew is filled with those promises. You're true to the Lord. He's going to be true in his protection of you. And and so please, when you come to the conference, please don't be shy. Come up and say hello and 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 personally, I know all of us. We'll stay there as long as we need to to talk to everyone who wants to talk to us. Um, Amen. But I will tell you this: when I go there, um, I do my presentation, but I'm in the audience. I mean, I'm. I, and you said something about <laughs> your wife Sharon being uh, like a professor. No kidding. When we were at uh, Branson and the Steve Quayle conference, she, uh, Sharon gave a presentation on transhumanism that mesmerized me. I was like, I can't get enough of this. It was, in fact, I've had her on my show a couple times to follow up on that. So you're absolutely right. The speakers are going to be dynamic. But anyway, I'd like to ask everyone to pray for Mike's recovery because at the time of this recording, Mike has probably been through um, open heart surgery. Uh, but we don't know any details yet, and I'm certainly not going to press his wife, Jeannie, for updates and answers. I'll have to be patient and wait for him like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we're, but please keep Mike and Jeannie in your prayers during this difficult time. But Mike is a tough guy. Mike will come through this. I'm really confident of that. But anyway, what I asked Derek to do to come on here today, um, he's a prolific author, a, a tremendous author. And uh, I, he's done so much good work that I asked him, I'd like you to look into 2024 and blend some of what your concerns are and expectations are with some of the things that you've written in the past. So I'll just kind of leave that as an open-ended uh, foray into where we're going to go. So, Derek, where would you like to start right. with this? Well, uh, I'm going to, uh, first of all, I'm going to uh, give a caution here. I'm getting a warning on uh, Zoom here that uh, our Internet connection. 
the uh, the 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 desktop machine here is connected with the the router in our garage. We try to reconnect to the closer router as part of the mesh network, and hopefully we can do this seamlessly. Uh, but uh, just to preserve the connection so we don't get cut off again. So we're going to try that right now, and hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, we're getting a little interference right now. So I know that as Derek is frozen on the screen, uh, that we will, and I'm even going dark here too. Wow. That's interesting. I've never had that happen either. Once again. Okay. All right. Derek, you uh, cut uh, out, I... you cut out for about 60 seconds there and I was kind of filling okay. the dead time. Have you made All the, right. have you made the transfer? The, the transfer has been made. So we're now on the faster connection. Um, I, I, uh, while we were in the process of switching after the first, uh, loss of signal. I, I switched, uh, re- rebooted the, the mesh network here in, in the barn and, uh, the, uh, computer, uh, basically outthought me and recon and connected to the, uh, the farther router in the, uh, uh, in the garage, which is, like I said, is about 40 feet away, but it's through a couple of walls and a lot of insulation. So anyway, this hopefully, hopefully. This this will be better. Um, the the thing that the Sharon and I are working on right now, which is an extension of my last book, The Second Coming of Saturn, which was published two years ago. Uh, we're working on a book now called The Gates of Hell, which is uh, more than just a catchy title. I mean, it's really where Jesus declared his divinity. You know, Caesarea Philippi, which is at the base of Mount Hermon, which uh, one scholar of ancient Near Eastern religion has described as the Semitic or the Canaanite Olympus. This is where the gods of the Canaanites met. El, the creator god. In my book, The Second Coming of Saturn, was uh, essentially traced the uh, the the career, if you will, of this entity called El by the Canaanites, but also known to the Greeks as Kronos, to the Romans as Saturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that this is the entity who led the rebellion in Genesis chapter six. Shemiyaza, in the book of First Enoch, uh, the leader or the chief of the Watchers who descended to Mount Hermon in the pre-flood era and uh, decided to co-mingle with humanity to corrupt the human bloodline, but also teach us things we weren't supposed to know. Uh, I believe this is the same entity who emerges from the uh, abyss in Revelation chapter 9 as the destroyer, Apollyon or Abaddon. But interestingly, and Sharon pointed this out in a chapter that she wrote for Tom Horn's book, The Messenger, which was his follow-up to the Wormwood prophecy, where Tom was uh, shown the vision of an incoming dragon and given the word Apophis, which was the name of the chaos dragon in the Egyptian religion. But it's also the name of the, uh, the asteroid that's supposed to make a near pass of planet earth on April 13th of 2029. Um, we uh, uh, in that follow-up book, Sharon pointed out that the event that we just marked the third anniversary of January 6th of 2021, the, uh, protest at the United States Capitol, there was a very interesting response to that protest by the political class here in the United States. I'm talking about our leading politicians, but also political commentators in the corporate media. Uh, Sharon pointed out, uh, actually, no, she wrote this in the book Zeitgeist 2025, which um, was really an extension of Tom Horn's groundbreaking books, Apollyon Rising 2012 and... Um, uh, gosh, what was the other one? No, 2016. Um, anyway, uh, it was essentially his research into the art and architecture of the United States Capitol and how it appears to contain a prophecy of the future of the United States and um, uh, occult workings connecting the uh, Washington Monument, the the obelisk, the world's tallest obelisk, which is a representation of the the phallic member of the Egyptian god Osiris, the um, the waiting pool on the National Mall, which also has some occult significance regarding the, uh, uh, um, well, I, w- I don't want to get too graphic in that, but the, uh, the dome on the United States Capitol, which, uh, he found represented the womb of us, uh, the womb of Isis, the, uh, the sister wife of, Os- of Osiris, and how this was all supposed to be part of a, uh, an occult working to bring forth, uh, Apollyon. And uh, Sharon took it a step further, pointing out that on January 6th, after the uh, the Buffalo Hat insurrection, uh, a number of our leading politicians started calling this a, a, a desecration of America's temple to democracy. You know, Chuck Schumer, um, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, uh, 
representatives uh, uh, Liz Cheney, uh, Nancy Pelosi, uh, and others, basically describing this as a desecration of America's temple. And so I took that and I incorporated that into uh, the second coming of Saturn because in in doing some background reading on the United States Capitol, I discovered that, uh, or I learned, I didn't discover this, that the reason the U.S. Capitol is called the Capitol is not because that's what you call a building where your legislature meets. At the time it was built in 1799, there was only one building on planet Earth where a legislative body met in a building called the Capitol, and that was the uh, that was the legislature of the colony of Virginia. And, of course, Thomas Jefferson, being a Virginian, uh, had probably something to do with that. But it was the insistence of Jefferson in 1799 as they were laying out the the plat for the new city of Washington, D.C., which, of course, contains all sorts of uh, uh, Freemasonic symbolism in the the layout of the city itself. Um, He insisted that this legislative building be called the Capitol, whereas the we at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. The architect, Pierre-Charles L'Enfant, just wanted to call it Congress House. It makes sense. That's where Congress is going to meet. Well, the Capitol is called the Capitol because Jefferson wanted to evoke the glory of Republican Rome the Roman Republic, and the Capitolium in Rome was the temple of the chief deity of the Roman Republic, Jupiter. That's why it's on the Capitoline Hill, uh, because it is named for the temple. But why was the temple named the Capitolium? Well, apparently back in the 6th century B.C., when the last king of Rome, uh, a fellow named Tarquinius Superbus, or Tarquin the Proud, was... uh, 
leading the construction of this temple, they they excavated, uh, as they were excavating the footings for the foundations, they found a well-preserved human head. Now, in in the Etruscan religion, and Tarquin was an Etruscan, okay, they were the northern neighbors of the Latins, uh, Tarquin saw this as a good omen because severed human heads were the device that they used to communicate with the spirit realm. Okay, it was how you would perform necromantic rituals and communicate with the spirits. And what is a head called in Latin, like da capo of the mafia, the head? So suddenly they named the hill the Capitoline Hill, the hill of the head. And that's why the Temple of Jupiter is called the Capitolium and why the United States Capitol is called the Capitol. And now 37, I think 37 or 38 states here in the United States refer to the building where the legislature meets, including here in Missouri. Our legislature meets in a Capitol a building named for the Temple of Jupiter in Rome. But Let me ask you a question on this. Is this satanic? Is this where this is going? It is literally satanic, because okay. in the book of Matthew, when Jesus is confronted by the uh, scribes and Pharisees, and he's accused of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul, or Baal the prince, Baal the prince, Baal, the storm god in the Canaanite pantheon, was the king of their pantheon. He was the chief god, the king of their gods. He was just Zeus or Jupiter by a different name. The Romans and the Greeks got their religion from the Amorites, the Canaanites of Mesopotamia. You can draw one-to-one correlations in many of their deities. Uh, Apollo was Reshef. Astarte is Aphrodite and Venus. You know, And Baal became Jupiter and Zeus in the Greek and Roman pantheons. So when Jesus said, no, I'm not casting out demons by the power of Baal the prince. If Satan casts out demons by his own power, how will Satan's kingdom stand? Jesus identified the storm god, Baal, Jupiter, Zeus, as Satan. So it is literally satanic. Now, was Thomas Jefferson aware of this when he did it? Probably not. Or if he was, he probably didn't hold much stock in it. He just thought, okay, well, you know, we're we're just trying to evoke the glory of ancient Rome to make our new country, our new republic look um you know, like the new Rome. But um, it's very possible that there were principalities and powers kind of whispering in his ear behind the scenes. And inside the ca- and the, the design of the capital, I mean, it looks very much like a, uh, a pagan temple from the ancient world that is by design. Uh, we see the same thing with uh, many of our government buildings in Washington, D.C. and around the country. They, they evoke classical architecture, but to what most of us don't realize, it doesn't just look pretty. They look just like pagan temples the uh in fact the the um supreme court building looks very much like what artists think the temple of jupiter looked like in ancient rome the capital actually looks more like the um uh the pantheon in rome which is a freestanding dome that is uh, uh that has survived for more than 2000 years without uh rebar inside the concrete i mean it's a concrete dome that the romans built so well that here we are 2,000 years later without rebar inside the concrete, and that dome still stands. Um, in the Pantheon in Rome, which Sharon and I were privileged to visit back in 2018 with Steve Quayle and Timothy Alberino, uh, the, the, there is a hole open to the sky called an oculus. and It means eye in Latin, and it represented the portal through which the, uh, the Caesar, um, Caesar Augustus, was to... Uh, ascend to become part of the pantheon of the gods. He was, you know, that the process of apotheosis of becoming a god would take place when he ascended, his spirit ascended through that portal to join the, the deities in heaven. Uh, Caesar Augustus was a smart enough politician to say, no, you're not going to put my statue inside the pantheon. So, uh, no, no, we're not going to do that. But we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll deify my uncle Julius. So Julius Caesar, you know, supposedly ascended through that oculus and became one of the gods well inside the united states capitol there is likewise an oculus now it's not open to the sky but in the eight in 1865 and 66 uh uh Bermidi, the name of the painter the artist painted a, a commission on the inside of the capitol dome so as you look up from the rotunda you see through the oculus a scene that looks like it depicts the heavens with George Washington seated among the pa- the uh, the pagan gods. 
And the painting is literally called The Apotheosis of Washington, George Washington Becoming a God. And I argued in the book, The Second Coming of Saturn, that the imagery that they depict of Washington seated there with his legs wrapped in purple cloth suggests Washington as this entity, Saturn, returning to what he thinks is his rightful place in the heavens. The statue of Saturn at his temple in ancient Rome which formerly, by the way, sat on the location of the Capitolium. The Temple of Jupiter was uh, replaced the Temple of Saturn on the top of the Capitoline Hill, which previously was called Mons Saturnus. It's like Saturn was demoted, and his new temple was put at the bottom of that hill, which kind of reflects the story of the careers of Saturn and Jupiter in the Roman pantheon, Kronos and Zeus in the Greek pantheon, which is an echo of what happened in the Canaanite pantheon, the Hurrian pantheon, the Hittite pantheon. You had a, a god who used to rule the heavens. He's overthrown by his son, the storm god, and then banished to the netherworld, the bottomless pit, the abyss. Um, in Rome, the statue of Saturn in this temple of Saturn was kept wrapped, the legs wrapped in wool all year round, um, representing his uh, confinement in the netherworld, in Tartarus, the bottomless pit. The only time the legs were unwrapped was when he uh, was during uh, Saturnalia, December 17th through the 24th, when he emerged from the bottomless pit and uh, social norms were turned upside down, slaves were served by their masters and so on. Um, I suggest that the painting of George Washington inside the U.S. Capitol is, whether Bermidi knew it or not, represents this return to the world and the new golden age ruled over by Saturn prophesied according to occultists by the Roman poet Virgil who suggested that a new golden age would return returns old Saturn's reign with a new breed of men sent down from heaven that's the fourth eclogue by Virgil written about the year 40 BC um, again did Brumidi know that he was doing this when he put it up there was he told what to paint i i don't know i've not done enough research on that but the art and architecture inside the united states capitol outside the united states capitol and washington dc as a whole is thoroughly pagan and the painting the apotheosis of washington should give christians pause when you look up there and see george washington amongst the gods not just as a god himself but representing this entity who led the rebellion in Genesis chapter 6 that led to the creation of these hybrid entities yeah. called the Nephilim, right. whose bodies were destroyed in the flood of Noah, but their spirits persist to this day in the form of de- demons. Did uh, their so, DNA survive, in your opinion? Um, I don't think so. There's no way to prove one way or the other. Um, Sharon, having a degree in molecular biology, will say this, that um, DNA is a very fragile molecule. It's got to be preserved under very um, exacting uh, requirements in terms of uh, controlled environment, uh, low temperature, and so forth. Um, in a flood situation, especially with salt water, um, it's not likely that any of these remains would have been preserved. I know there's some speculation that uh, the the uh, body of Gilgamesh may have been retrieved from ancient uh, uh, the, the ancient city of Uruk. That's a very hot, wet environment. Southeast Iraq is very marshy. Not likely. Um, but but what we can document, and we wrote about this in our book, Veneration, is uh, the occult religions inspired by these demons. I mean, Paul meant it literally when he talked about the doctrines of demons being taught by the pagan religions. Yes. They literally are demonic doctrines because the spirits of these entities created through the unholy alliance or unholy union of these uh, rebellious sons of God and the daughters of men uh, are still with us to this day. So uh, they've been around a very long time. They're a lot more intelligent than we are, um, but they are very ambitious. They, they want to possess physical form. They can only do that through the act of possessing a human host, demonic possession, and and I think as we get into the end times, in fact, Sharon and I just recorded an episode of our program, Unraveling Revelation, where we talked about this. In Ezekiel chapter 39, there's a very cryptic verse in uh, verse 11, where um, God tells Ezekiel, on that day, which is the day of the Lord, uh, and we believe that coincides with the Battle of Armageddon, the day when God 
um, brings judgment on an unrepentant world. I will give to Gog, this is the Gog-Magog conflict, a place for burial in the land of Israel, the valley of the travelers east of the sea. It will block the travelers, for there Gog and all his multitude will be buried. In the ancient world, the word translated travelers, the Hebrew word avarim, uh, the cognate term in uh, in Canaanite, uh, ovarim, means those who cross over or those on the other side or those who travel from one plane of existence to the other. So that word travel. The spirit realm, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, this is not just uh, referred to here in Ezekiel 39. Uh, And I think what Ezekiel, by the way, is prophesying is that the army of Gog of Magog will be demonically possessed. You've got a demonically possessed army. Could This could be Joel's army, by the way. When you read Joel chapter 1 and 2, that army that uh, does all these amazing things, when you read the whole thing in context, I know there's some Christians who think Joel's army is, you know, you want to be part of that to fight for the Lord. Read that whole section in context. You find out that Joel's army, not fighting for the Lord, not fighting for the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it, fighting for the other side. I, I think this is a demonically possessed army that takes uh, the fight Almost well, right to Jerusalem, which is really the uh, uh, the the final battle in in all of history. When Moses was uh, called home, God told him to climb this mountain of Avarim, A B A R I M, but the B sound is vocalizes a V sound here in English. So this mountain of the travelers, so Mount Nebo, just the other side of the river from Jericho. Uh, was somehow connected to these spirits, and that's where Ezekiel places this final defeat of the war in the war of Gog and Magog. The Valley of the Travelers is the plains of Moab, east of the Dead Sea, northeast of the Dead Sea, which, by the way, is very close to the site of ancient uh, Sodom. Now, all of this, I think, just connects to where we are going uh, worldwide. I think the war between Israel and Hamas, Dave, is connected to this long conflict for control of that land of Israel. Because I agree this with you. entity. Because uh, Hamas this, goes back to biblical references in Genesis. Um, right, and, Genesis 6, verse 11. The world, right. the world is filled with violence. The word violence in Hebrew is Hamas. I want to go back. Organization. I want to go back to something you said earlier, because I don't want to leave this point unsettled. When you mention people like Liz Cheney and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, uh, I look at these people as uh, almost being possessed by evil entities. They're, I don't think they're nice people. They're certainly not Christian. Uh, and they're talking about our capital was desecrated. I, yeah. I, I'm wondering if they know this has satanic origins and they're defending the satanic order. What do you think? Uh, we can only speculate. I don't know for sure. I doubt that any of them w- would admit it publicly if they did know that to be true but uh the uh what what struck sharon and, and why she started down this this road of thinking and again credit to her for spotting this and this is, again is in tom horn's book zeitgeist 2025 um seeing that this consistently come up i mean uh again uh amy klobuchar you know desecrated this temple of our democracy senator dick durbin this is a special place this is a sacred place this sacred place was desecrated by a mob today on our it watch it sounds spiritual to me liz cheney yeah. said um this is uh the most sacred space in our republic the most sacred space in our republic i look with all due respect Ms. Cheney, the most sacred space in our republic is wherever you are when you are praying to Jesus Christ. <laughs> the altar that you create in the place that you're at. I totally Your agree with you. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one other question I want to put in here, because I think it relates. When you talked about the possible uh, contamination of the end times army, um, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if AI is not going to be part of this. Well, that's a really interesting thought, and uh, yes, and we see some um, examples of this being explored in dystopic sci-fi television series like Black Mirror and, and so on. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm working, actually working on a novel right now where this is an idea that comes into play uh, called The God Game. Um, would it be possible for artificial intelligence or augmented reality, virtual reality and augmented reality to offer a way for these entities who want to reincarnate 
And we know this, not just from, you know, the little clues that we get in Ezekiel, where, where it says not only will it uh, uh, the travelers be buried in the valley of the travelers, it will block the travelers. I think that's a reference to resurrection and who gets resurrected. Yes, as the last I agree. Trump. First yes, Corinthians 15, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. But not them, <laughs> not them. But we see from Canaanite religious texts where the travelers are called to the the threshing floor of El, the tabernacle of El, where the blessing of the name of El will revivify the heroes, the travelers. This is all about resurrection. Who gets reincarnated? And we will be lifted up in 1 Corinthians 15 and restored to glorified bodies. Exactly. These entities, I'm sorry, they go to ultimate destruction. So could it be? That VR, um, AR, and AI could somehow be used to offer these entities a portal back into the physical realm. Uh, like, uh, say, the holodeck in, in, in Star Trek, you know, positronic energy. Yes. Uh, yes. I don't know. I don't know. But it's an interesting idea to explore. But it certainly is possible for a bio electrical thinking machine, the human brain, to be overwhelmed by a demonic entity, why not an electromechanical device like a computer yeah, or an Derek, artificial intelligence? Let me share this with you about Dr. Anna Mihachek. I've interviewed her a num- uh, once, and we've talked a number of times. Um, she produces a lot of really good scientific-based work on the vaccines, and one of the things that she thinks that she and other researchers like her have discovered is a possible time dilation factor. And she is now speculating based on this discovery that the evil ones on this planet are aware of Judgment Day and what's coming, but they think they've got an answer with time dilation that can be other than where they should be mm. on Judgment Day. Now, my, I told her, my response to this, you're not going to outsmart God's science. Man's science is not going to supersede God's science. But I think she's on to something that, that might be their intention. You know, it's interesting you say that, and I'll have to tell Sharon about this, because in her series of novels, The Red Wing Saga, and she's working on the ninth novel in this series now, one of the ploys being tried by the fallen realm uh, and a lot of the research that we've done for books like Veneration and Giants, Gods, and Dragons, yes. Second Coming of Saturn, winds up in her series. Um, and I, you know, I'm trying to follow her lead and being able to incorporate that into a compelling story. One of the ploys they're trying in her series is to try to break the time lock that they are in. They believe that these entities, uh, again, in her storyline, uh, believe that they have been in imprisoned by time linear time something that we experience and just take for granted as humans the idea that we are in the now we will experience the future we have experienced the past you know god is outside of all of that he sees everything he is not just everywhere he is every when and these entities um would like to break out of this prison so that they as you say time dilation can they somehow escape from linear time when mm-hmm. the final judgment comes that's a really interesting concept i i agree with you i don't think they'll be able to do it but uh so they, they've got to have something other some kind of hope that yeah. they can somehow escape judgment escape otherwise it, exactly why they... and i've been and i've been told too when i've explained this to other scientists they speculate that cern is part of this that cern is trying to create this alternative reality uh, and I'm, I've looked at some of the physics that we've learned about CERN, and I can see where they're looking to experiment with fifth-dimensional realities when you use Michio Kaku's uh, string theory. And I really think that they, these people believe they can do this. The, when Anna, Dr. Anna got me to think this way, and I started doing my own research, I found confirming evidence over and over and over. This is the direction they appear to be going. Uh, and to me, it's a logical strategy because they know they're evil, they know what they are, and they know what's coming. They know the power of Jesus. <laughs> they know that he's coming back with a super army. And and and, and so, in other words, it's kind of like the Philadelphia experiment. When we're shot at, we want to be other than where we were at before we were shot at. And yeah, I think that yeah. this is what they're doing. And and uh, it, when you took when you went down this path, I said. I got to tell Derek about Dr. Anna because this is, I think it's coincidental. Um, I think the science that she's uncovering really validates a lot of the stuff that the evil ones are using. And, and I, and, and then I keep going back to our battles, not with flesh and blood. Um, yeah, I, I got, that kind of says it all right there too. 
Yeah. Absolutely incredible stuff. Um, see, this well, again, is what I like the, about your work. We could take your work <laughs> that you've written and put it into present context because the word of God's universal. Well, that's it. Tom Horn, God bless him, was very wise in making sure that when we started into some of the, uh, the academic stuff and, and I, you know, I love the, the, puzzle solving or the discovery aspect of finding things in these ancient texts that uh, that relate to what we're doing. But Tom always said, you know, you need to bring it back to the present day because this is all great if you're an archaeology yeah. nerd, but how does it affect me today? And he's right. Well, mm-hmm. to, to make this relevant to most people, we need to explain why this is important. Yeah, this 6,000-year-old uh, megalithic structure on the Golan Heights is fascinating in and of itself but how does it relate to today well Mm -hmm. it relates to this cult of the dead and the veneration of these ancient spirits which uh, relate to this long running war from genesis 6 through ezekiel 39 on into revelation 19 and the the final battle of armageddon Um, unless you believe that demons no longer exist and i don't know let me let me rephrase it this way. Folks watching your program, listening to your prod, podcast, Dave, are more than likely accept that demons are real and spiritual warfare is a real uh, thing that we Christians need to be prepared for. The majority of people who call themselves Christians today, especially in the Western world, once we discovered the science of psychology, we kind of, you know, uh, we, we, we understand now that it's really just a chemical imbalance or what, what have you. Um, and that's not to say that doesn't happen, but um, the the church in the southern hemisphere, our, our brothers and sisters who uh, minister in, in um, uh, places like Africa, South America, uh, they understand that the spirit realm is very real and very active. And um, these entities are the same ones that were worshipped by the ancient Amorites 4,000 years ago in the prehistoric era, the cultures that were building these megalithic structures in and around uh, Mount Hermon and the Jordan River Valley down as far as the Dead Sea. There was something going on there that they were part and parcel of, and it all relates to this long conflict for who is going to control the land that God decreed would be his forever, and that is Israel. And I know there are a lot of people who say, well, the modern Israel isn't the real Israel. It's not the biblical Israel. They're not the biblical Jew. doesn't matter. The geographic war for that land is very real. Hamas is part of it. I would argue, in fact, if I ever get around to it, I will update uh, my 2018 book, Bad Moon Rising, about Islam. I argued in that book six years ago that um, Allah was not a single entity he was sort of a a wizard of oz simulacrum uh, being operated behind a curtain by the old gods of mesopotamia who were caught off guard by the resurrection of jesus you know if the archons if the rulers of the age had understood was about to happen first corinthians 2 verses 6 through 8 i think uh they would not have crucified the lord of glory well um that is true i mean they were caught off guard but i do believe that allah is this entity that i referred to in the second coming of Saturn. I think that is Allah. Al-Ilah means the God, and uh, the name of this entity in Akkad, Sumer, Babylon, Elil or Enlil, derives from the Semitic, just as Arabic is a Semitic language, Il-Ilu, meaning God of gods. I think it's the same entity. I think, yeah. and, and the Hebrews, just to put a, uh, an exclamation point on it, he was known to the Hebrews as Molech. No. So that's, I think that's who we're dealing with here. That's who's behind this war. And I think that coming back to January 6th of 2021 is the entity that uh, Tom Horn was pointing to with the return of Apollyon or Abaddon. I think that is who, for whatever reason, the architects of the United States Capitol, uh, Constantino Bramidi and his painting, The Apotheosis of Washington, uh, the Freemasons in the House of the Temple with their rituals that take place every time we have an inauguration of the present. You ever think about the etymology of the word inauguration? Auguring is foretelling the future. Yeah. Why do we inaugurate a president? That's interesting. I hadn't yeah. thought about that before. Yeah. So I think there is a lot more going on in the spirit realm. Um, 
There's a reason that Satan, when he tempted Jesus, took him up a very high mountain, which in all likelihood was Mount Hermon. It's three times higher than any other mountain anywhere near Israel, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all these are mine to give to whomever I will. We're behind enemy lines. Yeah, we, we are. Will never, we will never take the White House for Jesus. We should participate in the political process, but just remember as Christians that um, we serve a king. We are citizens first and foremost in a king, a, a, th- a theocracy, and we are ambassadors for our king. I would um, agree with that. I, so, what I'm wondering here, though, are we impugning the reputation of the founding fathers and saying they created deliberately a satanic entity uh, in terms of our government? Or how would you look well, at that? I know there are some who, who go that far. I, I would not. I, I think that uh, many of the founding fathers were doing the best they could to try to create a political system that granted and protected personal liberty as much as possible. Uh, you know, again, Jefferson responsible for naming the capital of the United States, the place where our legislature meets for the temple of Satan in Rome. Did Jefferson really know what he was doing? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I know there were legitimate, genuine Bible believing Christians in the early colonies. And I think, um, God allowed this nation to develop for his own purposes. And of course, the enemy with a counter move has been trying to corrupt it ever since. Um, and we're living in, a, in an age now where just over the last few years, looking at the research done every year by George Barna at Arizona Christian University, that um, the number, the percentage of Americans with a biblical worldview is down to like 4%. That's down from 6% in uh, the pre-COVID year in 2019. Uh, the percentage of professing Christians, evangelical Christians, Christians who claim that they're born again, who have a biblical worldview, has also dropped. I think it's something like 11% now. Now, that doesn't mean they're not saved. It just means that uh, we may be incorporating non-biblical uh, beliefs into well, our practice have, of religion. We already are. We already yeah. are. When you look at the so, Pope and what the Pope is up to, Chris Law, the blending of Islam and Christianity. Yep, yep. When you look at the fact that we'll marry gays in the church, we, we should love gay people, and but try to restore them to the honor of Christ. Um, I don't believe in persecution at all, and I don't want to convey that. But to deify it and glorify yeah. it in church, uh, I mean, Jesus has to be very disturbed at this. Yeah. So I, I think the best we can do is to serve him to the best of our ability, uh, knowing that none of us is going to have 100% perfect theology. Um, we, we kind of, uh, we, every year at Christmas time, we see the debates that rage over whether or not we should celebrate Christmas. I think if you're doing it to the honor and glory of our Lord who, who walked among us, you know, yeah. Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation of God in the flesh, Yes. Yeah, recognizing that, yes, there are pagan practices that have become uh, part and parcel of the traditions. Okay, weed those out. Weed those out. But don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know. Um, and, and the same holds true in our everyday walk. I mean, there are plenty of things that we are soaking in a, a pagan culture. I mean, the days of the week, just because I say we're going to do this on Tuesday doesn't mean we venerate the Norse god of war, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or what have you. Uh, we don't go to church on Sunday because we're venerating the sun god. Uh, th- that's just not it. Um, we are we are in a culture that has been influenced by the pagan world since the very beginning. We should expect that because we're in the middle of a supernatural struggle for control of this beautiful planet that God created and gave as the birthright to the children of Adam and Eve. The enemy, beginning in Genesis chapter 3, Continuing in Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 11, has continued to try to wrest it away from us ever since then. Jesus returned, sacrificed himself after living the law perfectly, because as a full, as fully God, he could do that, and as fully human, he was the only one with the right to become king of the world, really. Uh, unlike the Nephilim, those spirits which are half deity, half human, Jesus was 100% and 100%. Um, so this is what this war is all about. Control of this wonderful planet and who will ultimately reign alongside God when he, when he returns. Um, we're in the middle of an epic, Dave, that is like the Lord of the Rings on steroids, except that it's real. And when we start getting into the Old Testament and seeing how things are playing out in the present day, 
although we see it imperfectly. Sharon likes to say we're, we're looking in a mirror in a darkened room, you know, as Paul wrote. But that's really what it is. We're seeing things backwards and insufficiently lit. We don't get it exactly right. But we know we're in a struggle, the fight of our lives, and the stakes are literally us, our families, and everything we hold dear. Is there any possibility that we're not in the end days from your view? I, I don't see how that's possible, but I know I, that, I, you know, 2,000 years ago, Paul was, uh, you know, and many of the early church thought uh, Jesus' return was imminent then as well. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you, the way things have changed with society just in the last 10 years or so, where uh, things that just were not thinkable, even during Obama's first term, where he was saying, no, no, marriage is one man and one woman, uh, to today, where, you know, you dare say that as an academic and you get blackballed from you know, teaching. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, things have changed so quickly. I, I don't see how it could not be close to the end. But uh, all we can do is just keep working as though we've still got a long time to go while being prepared to leave at any minute. I, I was in a high school. I'll leave unnamed. But I was there here recently, and I discovered that they had unisex bathrooms. And, mm. and, and, and someone asked me what I thought about it. I said, Dave, what do you think? I know you're a Christian. I said, my original thought is, it's proof that men have stopped being men in this country where they would allow their daughters to go in that kind of environment and, oh, and yeah. endanger themselves. And that, that's to me how I look at it. I mean, we it, there's a time to stand up and be a man, a man in Christ. And, and to me, I'm just thinking, what person in their right mind would enforce this on adolescent children? No, it's... Uh... One of the reasons that we think that one of the entities that's going to play a uh, major role in the last days is uh, the ancient Sumerian goddess Inanna. But she was a goddess, but sometimes she was a god. She was the original gender-fluid entity. I mean, there are Sumerian hymns that have been preserved on clay tablets that praise her for being able to change men into women and women into men. Um, So, yeah, this is a very, very old thing. You know, when when... Moses came down Mount, from Mount Sinai with the tablets around 1446 B.C. That was progressive because the things that he brought to the law, don't do these things the Canaanites are doing and the pagans are doing around you, the Amorites are doing, all this evil stuff the Amorites are doing. That was new. That was new because the practices that were taking place in Mesopotamia prior to that under the uh, direction of these entities like Inanna or Ishtar, her uh, uh, Babylonian name, um, you know, God was not telling the Israelites, don't do these things that nobody's ever thought of doing before. He was telling them not to do the things that their pagan neighbors were doing and the reason that he was pushing them out of the land. So, um, yeah, this is uh, just a return to uh, what we are told is progressive is really regressive. It's turning the clock back about 5,000 years. I would agree with that entirely. And it just it's amazing. I, I hadn't heard of what you were just talking about before. But it makes perfect sense. Gender fluid goddess, I guess we'd refer to. Um, yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, in, in fact, it's, wow. it's 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 really overt in in her um, Hurrian form. The Hurrians were a people who occupied like the northern arc of Mesopotamia, the areas that are roughly equivalent to the Kurdish regions of um, Iraq and Syria and uh, and so on. In, in the Bible, they're called the Horites. Uh, their version of this entity called Shauska is depicted a very famous set of carvings uh, where uh, the Hurrians carved representations of all their gods on one wall uh, and uh, all the women, the, fe- the goddesses on another wall, and Shauska is on both. So that's who this entity was. Um, this gender-fluid goddess, what's the name again? Well, uh, Shauska for the Hurrians, but she was Inanna to the Sumerians, or Ishtar. And in the Bible, she is Astarte. Oh, Ishtar. You know what? You know where we heard the name Ishtar before? In the movie Ghostbusters, 1984. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm yeah, just, yeah. I, I remember Bill Murray talking, I am Ishtar. And it's amazing. It's, you know, another thing too. I, I used to enjoy watching Stargate SG1 and many mm-hmm. of the characters that you've mentioned here, the characters' names of these devils and goddesses and they end up in the show. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a way to rebrand the uh, the old gods of the ancient world. It really it was a way of propagating the uh, the ancient aliens meme. The gods of the ancient world were just space travelers from uh, the planet Nibiru or whatever. Um, uh, not so, a believer it, in that. I'm sorry. 
I, I think there's an alien deception coming, Project Bluebeam, sure. fake alien invasion. But I don't believe in the ET aspect. I think that they're demonic entities disguising themselves as aliens. Agreed. Agreed. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Josh Peck and I wrote a book back in 2017 That's called right. The Day That's the Earth right. Stands Still. And, oh, great uh, it, name. It, it, yeah. Uh, it came out the week before the uh, the Tic Tac video from the USS Nimitz oh, encounter yeah. Yeah. was released in uh, the New York Times. What we found out later, and we didn't we didn't know about this at the time, sadly, was that the uh, that video of the Tic Tac encounter that uh, went viral after December seventeenth of twenty seventeen, when it was published by the New York Times, that video had been available on the internet since uh, two thousand seven, because the encounter took place back in twenty o four. And uh, you could find UFO researchers who had that video out on YouTube since 07. But uh, come 2014, and it had been pulled off the web, and the guys from the Nimitz and the USS Princeton uh, and the uh, uh, the other uh, pilots and, and uh, radar crews that had been involved had been visited by men from three-letter agencies. It had all been pulled offline, but then it came back again when this story went viral. And so the question... As with anything reported by the corporate media, number one, is it true? Number two, who benefits if I believe it? Interesting comment. Who benefits? And I like your comment, too, about ancient aliens and also to the show as Stargate SG-1. I can see what you mean by it's a chance to rebrand rebrand ancient de- demonic entities into mm-hmm. something other than demonic entities. Yeah. It, and, it's, and a, see- it's a reframing for the time we're living in, isn't it? It is, and we're also seeing it with the uh, the so-called MonsterVerse. With this is the series of uh, films and television programs released by Legendary Pictures, beginning with the uh, the Godzilla film wow. back in 2014. You noticed how Godzilla and Rodan and King Ghidorah and Mothra and all of their monster buddies have now been called re- rebranded as the Titans. In fact, in Godzilla King of Monsters, which was the 2019 movie, they were literally referred to as the original and rightful rulers of Earth. And the return of the Titans, and when you see in the movie, there's very quick scenes where they show where they've been tracked by this secretive quasi-governmental agency called Monarch, where they've got names like Apollyon and Behemoth and Melchizedek. And, okay, they when they return... Suddenly, it's a good thing. They're restoring the Earth. We humans are a virus that's causing the Earth to burn up, but the Titans will come and restore balance. And this is very interesting. We've been seeing this for a while with some other lower-budget films where the Titans were being portrayed as the good guys. Well, just to make sure your viewers understand, the Titans, the Greek gods who were overthrown, led by Kronos, overthrown in the fake news version of history by Zeus and the Olympians, cast down to Tartarus, there is a group of supernatural entities that the Bible tell us, tells us, located in Tartarus. Second Peter 2, verse 4, God did not spare the angels when they sinned. That's a reference back to Genesis 6 and the sons of God in Genesis 6, verses 1 through 4, but cast them down to hell, the English translation, but the Greek word is Tartarosis, the only place in the New Testament that Greek word is used. Tartarus is not Hades. Tartarus is a special place reserved for supernatural rebels. And um, this these entities, the sons of God from Genesis chapter 6, that's the true version of the story. They rebelled against the creator, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and for that they were sent down to Tartarus. So the titans of the Greeks are the watchers of the book of First Enoch, the sons of God from Genesis chapter 6. That's who the titans are. They will come back. Revelation 9 shows that they, led by their king, Apollyon, Abaddon, in other words, Kronos, or Saturn, or Shemiyaza, same name, same entity, different names, they will get out for five months at the end, which this bookends. Is like, this is like Superman fi- in the Twilight Zone concept. You know, the Phantom Zone where they lock in these entities that right. are evil? Yeah, yeah. It's very, exactly. This, I mean, I'm going back to my childhood comic book days uh, to right. remember this. Uh, this Kronos is so is fascinating. Zod. But we are flat out of time. <laughs> this is so interesting to me. Uh, you just make the history come alive. You have such a gift for that. Thank you. Well, um, the Bible makes it come alive. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, tell people how they can follow your good work. 
the best way to do it is our website, gilberthouse.org, or by downloading our free app. We've got a mobile app for iOS, Android, Amazon, Kindle Fire, which gets all of our content, um, weekly uh, articles excerpted from our books uh, at gilberthouse.org slash app. Okay. All right. Well, we'll post that link too. Derek, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your host will learn to tell time better the next time that you're on. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. Thank you, Dave. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.